and welcome to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. We are the retro talk program for nostalgia and baby boomer stuff right here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And we welcome you to today's program. We have a great show lined up for you because we have a great guest in the studio with us, someone who we're very pleased to have here because we've been wanting to get him on the show for a while, and he's finally here. We're glad to have him with us. We'll tell you who he is in just a second. But we're, uh, again, uh, beginning this uh, season of uh, 2015. We're just entering our, uh, beginning our sixth year, and uh, we are so happy that you continue to listen to us here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network, so we thank you for that. Our guest today is a gentleman who was well-known in the San Diego area for his radio work back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and we'll talk to him all about that. His name is Chuck Cooper. And we're so pleased to have him with us. Chuck, welcome to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside. Well, thank you. And nice to be here. And it's good to have you here. We're going to get to talking to you about all your career work and everything you've done. But first, let's have a sample of Chuck's work over the years. We've got one little sample here for you from some of his early work back in the 60s and 70s. Then we'll hear a little bit more of it later on in the course of the show. Here's Chuck Cooper way back in the 60s and 70s. That's number two this week in the K-Makers Dozen. Slip down to number four on Kimmel's Telephonic Top 15 survey, Washington Square. The village stompers at 20 minutes past 11. K-Make number one time on the Chuck Cooper Show. And in 40 minutes, it's that super fine boy Dave Evans on K-Make. $1,340,000 starting Saturday. Stubborn kind of fella. In other words, a dummy. Marvin Gaye off the K-Makers Dozen one year ago today. That tune was number 10. And it's 23 minutes past 11. K-Make number wonderful uh, time. <laughs> yeah, and we've got a problem out there. Somebody wants to know if Fresno City College and Reedley Junior College are going to play tomorrow night. Football, that is. If you know, give me a call here at AM67878 so I can let him know, okay? Johnny Beecher from January. Rebounding by request in K-Make. Sacks. Fifth Avenue. Gates will open at 10 tomorrow morning for the second day of festivities of the 68th edition of the Fresno District Fair. Horse racing gets underway at 1 with KMAC broadcasting delayed tapes of the races. Final throbbing moments of the Chuck Cooper Show till midnight on a million-dollar weekend beginning tomorrow afternoon at 3. Chad Stewart and Jeremy Clyde. 25 minutes past 9. More music on KGB. And we prove it. She ain't sweet or ain't she sweet. 21 this week in a KG Beach Boy Top 30 survey. And the KG Beatles, John and George and Paul and Ringo, at 27 and a half minutes. On the downhill side of 9 o'clock. Weather guy calls for mostly clear with variable cloudiness in the usual night and morning coastal low clouds. Tonight and tomorrow, low tonight 66 and a high tomorrow 79. Currently in San Diego, 68 KGB grease. Radio KGB, golden. 328. With Chuck Cooper and Tony Bennett, I left my heart in San Francisco and my body at Boss Radio. The loveliness of Paris. What do you mean by that? Chuck Cooper, Radio KGB. This is KGB 2020 News at 20 minutes before 4. Bitter cold weather continues to plague much of the nation with an eastern snowstorm thrown in for good measure. President Johnson held several meetings with his advisors yesterday to discuss latest developments. These included Pope Paul's proposal 
that neutral arbitrators named by the United Nations be chosen to settle the war by arbitration. This is KGB 2020 News. Chuck Cooper, Radio KGB. 3.49 in the morning at Boss Radio, taking your requests around the clock at 297-0043. You say it, we'll play it. Martha and the Vandellas. T-Bone's number 16 this week on the 540, and no matter what shape your tummy's in, for much more music. Chuck Cooper at 6 minutes past 8 o'clock on a Thursday night. 56 degrees in San Diego and teenagers every Friday and Saturday night. The in-crowd heads for the teenage nightclub at the showroom of the Mesa Bowl, 7380 Parkway Drive, dancing from 8 to 1230 a.m. Live music by the fabulous upsetters from New York, only $1.50 per person. Mochi Men. My Love and Baby on much more music. Radio KDO, much more music. Averaging 20 records per hour for the past six months. No other San Diego radio station can make that claim. You better believe it. One of the most requested at 583-8383, California Dreamin' Mamas and Papas. All the leaves are Baseball Commissioner William Eckert says Major League expansion is four or five years away. On the Chuck Cooper Show until 12 o'clock tonight, here's Paul McCartney and my Michelle. Michelle. And now the exciting second season by RCA Victor is here, featuring the new Vista Color TV look. All models from a compact new color portable consoles and consolettes are available for immediate delivery at Tri-City TV, 7769 Broadway in Lemon Grove. No down payment necessary, no payment for 45 days with up to 36 months to pay. Go to Tri-City TV, 7769 Broadway in Lemon Grove. Herbie Alpert, number one on the Fab 40. DJ Taxi. I beg your pardon? Radio Radio News There's been no announcement of what transpired at a White House meeting tonight attended by key members of Congress. The Soviet Union is staying silent on whether secrets revealed by its spaceship that landed on the moon today will be shared with other nations. A Palace and Hearn Station, KDEO Alcohol, serving San Diego with the community billboard and much more music. And that's our good friend Chuck Cooper. Uh, a montage. Oh, man. <laughs> a, a montage of Chuck Cooper back in the, uh, in the 60s. We'll hear some of his 70s work here a little bit later. But Chuck... You know that line where I said, where I said, I left my heart in San Francisco, my body at Boss Radio? Yeah. Because that, that was my last shift. Oh. Because that was all night. I, I worked 8 to midnight. Okay. But they fired me. Oh. But okay. they were going to, they let me work overnight. How about that? Well, they didn't fire me. They they said you could have the all night shift. I oh, said, no, I don't want the all night oh, shift. I got, I got a chuckle out of that, too. Because <laughs> yeah, we all laugh. Anyone who's ever been affiliated with the likes of a fellow by the name of Bill Drake. We'll know what leaving your body and your soul <laughs> yeah. at Boss Radio. There, there's a grim reality associated with that statement. Yes, there is. <laughs> and other body parts. Yeah. But a great montage. Chuck, let's talk uh-huh. a little bit about your early years. How did, where'd you grow up? How'd you get interested in radio? Well, I grew up in Fresno. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to college in Fresno. And, well, I always listened to the radio, you know, but I never thought anything much about it, but. I was an actor in college, well, in high school, too, but 
and most of the actors were speech majors. I was a music major, but uh, one of the guys that I palled around with was in radio. And he's, we were just talking about it one day, and, he's, and, and after a while he said, I got a, we got a job opening, you know, part-time. And this, if you remember how Ted Baxter started his career from the Mary Tyler Moore Show, you remember? <laughs> yeah. A 500-watt radio station in Fresno. That's right. And that's what it was. It was a daytimer, a country station in a shopping center. And uh, I came in like at 6 in the morning till 8. Well, it started Saturday and Sunday, so at 6 to 8. That was it. And then, and then this guy quit on me. <laughs> So I went full-time. And then at night, I would spend the night at Kino, the the all-night guy at Kino, and I became friends. And I'd, I'd sit there and watch him, you know. Cause I, didn't, I got into radio, but I didn't know anything about it. So, uh, so that was uh, an education right there. Yeah. Did you pick your own playlist when you first started? Did you have somebody telling you what to play? No, I didn't know country music. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask next. <laughs> I knew Patsy Cline and Johnny Cash. <laughs> Yeah, because further down the fast forward to 1971, and you were the all nighter, the all night guy at KSON, and, yeah. and this was in San Diego. And I was wondering in 1971, were there that many country music listeners out there, <laughs> especially know. in the all nighter? What you get maybe oh, two calls a night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I was there, and then the guy that got me into radio, he became the news director at KMake. Okay, and uh, he got me over there as a newsman, n- noon to six. He he did morning news. I did afternoon. News. Okay. And then after about two months of that, uh, boss came to me and said, uh, "We really can't afford two full time newsmen, and the all night guy is leaving. So you can do that." I said, "Well, I don't really want to do that," <laughs> but I did it. And then I went to yeah nine to midnight. But we had Robert W. Morgan in the morning. Sonny Jim Price was uh, nine to noon, and he was the program director. And uh, we had, uh, let's see, Big Daddy Dave McCormick, the Canadian smoothest jock I've ever heard. And I can't remember who did Afternoons. And Fred, a guy named Fred Kimmel did 6 to 9. I did 9 to Midnight. You well, guys had quite a lineup on that station. What was the thing with the Central Valley? Was there a farm out there where they produced award-winning superstar yeah. uh, boss radio DJs? Because I don't guys, know. You think of all the guys, the lineup, Robert W. and a lot of them, of course, after, <laughs> after the Central Valley, Fresno or Bakersfield, they usually went to yeah. San Francisco or L.A., but you guys, you were sitting in the middle of some yeah. heavy-duty company, weren't you? Yeah, well, when I left K-Make, Bill Drake was across the street in Kino, <laughs> and he wanted to take me to Stockton, but I needed a first phone. That's a first-class radio license. That's right, FCC, yeah. and uh, I didn't have one. And every time I applied for a job, they wanted to first. So I went to school in the Burbank to Ogden, and got my first phone and came to San Diego. I don't know why. I would never even really knew anything about San Diego. But the first place I walked into on Pack Highway was KGB. And I was sitting there with my little tape. And the, the secretary was talking to somebody about a guy named Bill Drake. I said, is that Bill Drake from Fresno? She said, yeah, he's taking over as program director here. I said, oh, cool. <laughs> so he hired me that day. <laughs> that was a lucky break. But, but, but before he hired me, before I saw him, I went around to, you know, to Kogo and to KFMB and to KCBQ there at 7th and Ash. And, 
And uh, so Bill hired me. And, but that's the funny story, was all the guys I worked with at K-Make and the ones I worked against at Kino, almost all of us, I was the first one down here. But they all came. The guy that replaced me at K-Make came to KGB, and we became very good friends, Steve J. And then uh, Sonny Jim went to KDO. Right. And Fred Kimmel went to KDO, who I had worked with at K-Make. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. What, what year was that? Would that have been in 64? 64. Were you part of the Drake Chenault, the great experiment known as the Beach Boys Top 30 Servoit? They had the Beach Boys on the cover of all their surveys, and they tried it in the KG Beach Boys, and I, don't, I think it fizzled out because you had a lot of competition, even with Drake Chenault there at KGB. You had KCBQ and KDEO, yeah. KSDO, and you were one of those guys, and you made the tour around the city, around the stations. You you actually worked at all of them, didn't you, all the, all the AM uh, music formats? No. I never worked at KFMB. No KFMB. No KFMB. Never on any in any capacity. Well, tell us about Top Forty Radio in the '60s and the '60s. Uh, it, it was fun. Man. Was it crazy? It was fun. You pretty much had free reign as long as you stayed within that narrow guideline. Yeah, I used to drink. get in, I used to get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> tell I, us about. I that. would play stuff I I wanted to hear, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I had good taste. You yeah, know, sure. So I played, and I would get a call once in a while. Oh, going back to Fresno at sure. K-Mate. Okay, uh, Ron Jacobs. Ron Jacobs, sure. Ron Jacobs was the program director there who became involved with KHJ. But when I was doing that midnight shift, right, we were talking about, okay, three or four in the morning, I would get a call on the hotline. It would be him asking me about that break. <laughs> what What would you say there? I said, who cares? You know? <laughs> It's three in the morning. But he was listening. Yes, he was. <laughs> if no one else was, he was. Well, everyone talks about mm-hmm. the Drake Chenault machine, Bill Drake, yeah. Drake Chenault, but a lot of people don't know, and you mentioned the guy's name, so I want to know a little bit more. But a real superstar, the guy really behind the scenes who, who was one of the powerhouses of, of top radio and, and didn't get, I don't think he's gotten the credit compared to Drake and Chenault, but Ron Jacobs. Yeah. What kind of guy was he like to work for? He was a little... Well, I, we never saw him. He was a little strange, but I mean, he was—he yeah. was mainly in he Hawaii. He was almost going to be called a little something else, but he was mainly a radio guy, so he fixed it. He's he strange. Was, he was mainly in Hawaii, yeah, you know, because the uh, K-Make was part of Cold Green, which was K-Men in San Bernardino and K-Poi in Honolulu, and so he came. In fact, that's where Ron is today. Is back in Hawaii. Well, they're all zombies now, Radio uh, Music Radio FM. It's kind of gone its way because everything's Internet now. But what was it like? It was very competitive. We talk about Fresno Radio. We talk about Ron Jacobs at KMAC, and then his rival, Gene Chenault, over at Kino. Was there competition? Was there war going on? Were they trying to outdo each other on, on uh, okay, Drake celebrations? And, okay, Drake and Chenault were together at Kino. Yeah. And then Ron Jacobs was at Cayman. Okay. Oh, yeah, man. We'd have a $10,000 treasure. Tell hunt. us about some of those. So <laughs> they would jump it to 15000 So we would jump it to 20000 20000 You know. Did you guys have, did you have a contest for a new house? Was that in the Fresno market? Uh, I can't remember. They had that here. I they had it down yeah, here. That was a long time ago, yeah. you know. <laughs> that, that was one of Lee Bartell's little favorite That's things. right, Lee Bartell. Win a house yeah. in Pacific exactly, Beach, and yeah. nobody would enter. But I'll tell you, 
you know, having Jake uh, Jacobs and Drake and the people they had there, it was pretty damn good radio. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when I came to San Diego, I'm listening, and I think, oh, man, I'm going to go back to Fresno. Cause I'm sorry to say, but early 60s down here sounded like Fargo or... Wow. You know? Yeah. A lot of Ray Conniff, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess it took a while for the San Diego radio market yeah, to really catch I up. So. I mean, even Fresno. I think, I think we, at KGB, I think we perked it up, you know? Because, I mean, we, we we started, we had no commercials, so our ratings went pretty good, wow. pretty fast, because nobody was... Wow. And then we brought all these people down from the giant metropolis of Fresno. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So what was it like, uh, Chuck? I mean, you know, you, you mentioned it was sort of slow down here. But what was it like once you got down to San Diego, got settled in here, began working at KGB? Did you like San Diego? Oh, I love San Diego. Yeah. yeah. The very first contest we had at San Diego was win the Woody. So all of us drove the Woody a certain number of times a day or whatever. That's how I just learned about San Diego. You know, oh, okay. I'd drive out here to El Cajon. I'd drive to everywhere. <laughs> wow. About that. So, uh, but, yeah, like, uh, you know, they wanted to go to San Francisco. And I, no, I don't want to leave San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> you know how people in this business are. They move from town to town to town. Right. I had to move from station to station, <laughs> but I got to stay in San Diego. Right. And that's great. And then yeah. later on, then you went to, uh, you went to KDEO. Right. How did that? Uh, so that, uh, that little piece you played, uh, yeah. my last night on KGB. Yeah. And then that night, uh, the evening, the next eve, Saturday evening. Yeah. I got a phone call from Sonny Jim. And so I was out of work a day is all. Wow. So then I went to KDO and one time the, First, in the first, I wish we had an air check of that. I, I said uh, KGB on KGB. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah, but it was. We've all done but that. That's one. that's understandable. Oh, yeah. KGB for such a long time. Yeah, yeah. was there a, a different uh, atmosphere when you got to KDEO from KGB, or was it kind of the same thing? You know, you well, guys were all trying to do you the know, same thing. You got the same kind of people, and it yeah. was pretty much. I think probably KGB was a little more structured. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, and t- and. Back back to K-Make in sure. Fresno, their studios, their studio was, oh, man, it was just like out of a Better Homes and Gar. I mean, you know, red turntables, red carpeting on the walls. <laughs> it was just beautiful. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Chuck, where was, uh, is it KGB, of course, we know was on Pacific Highway here in San Diego. Where was KDEO at, at that time? when you went Fla- On Fletcher Parkway. Okay, in, in La Mesa. In La Mesa, in La Mesa yeah. yeah. How long were you there at KDEO? I was there a couple of years. Okay. Two more years. Yeah. So I was two years at KGB and then two years at KDO. KDO. Chuck, the thing that everybody always contacts us about when we do these radio interviews and these radio biographies and profiles is the transition from AM radio, top 40 music, to FM. And about the early 70s, things start happening in AM radio, or I should probably say Things started not happening in AM radio, <laughs> but things started happening over on the other band on the FM radio. Where were you during the early seventies when KGB actually went did an FM KGB FM? Uh, we're not did, trying to, trying did you make the jump? Were you over in the FM side at all? No. In your career, okay. Oh yeah, well yeah, on on uh, uh, not not a rock station. Yeah. Tell us about that going from a going from a rock station in AM over to 
a not traditional rock station in FM. Well, I did. I did go to. Uh, no, I guess I went to Kason. Okay, from mm-hmm. KDO. Kason was so you went over to a and that was format. that was interesting because, you know, I got my job at KGB because Bill Drake knew me. He didn't even listen to my tape. And then I got the job at KDO because Jim Price knew me. But at Kason, they didn't know me. <laughs> And to get the job, he didn't want to tape. I went in on a Saturday morning, and I did I did a show live, you know. That was your audition. That was my audition. <laughs> he said, okay, you can do Midnight Six. So you were all over the board then doing all different shifts. You were doing the overnight shift. You were doing daytime, afternoon. I mean, you know, in your career, you've done all the different oh, yeah, shifts. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's funny is KDO, while I was there for two years, we, we must have gone through five different formats. Yeah. You know, we went to The Rock, then we went to Oldies, and then we went to Middle of the Road. They did actually... Double Play, something we called it. The beautiful music, too, standards, right? Double Play. What was your favorite format in your career, Chuck? Well, the early rock was... Really? Okay. Yeah. You ever thought about bringing up a show nowadays since technology is so cheap and anybody with 800 bucks... And a way to get to Fry's Electronics can be can be on internet radio by Tuesday. Have you thought about getting back in the biz? No, no, no. That's something we all. It's kind of a thing we did. It's almost like the first girlfriend and uh, first we, car. We first moved girlfriend. on, but we always remember. You never, you never forget your first. Well, no, anything. I, yeah, I don't, I don't forget it. Yeah, but it's funny. I don't, I don't miss it. We never yeah. forget it, but we don't yeah. miss it. Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. how most people we talk to. Sure especially radio folks in the 70s. I talked to Jack Vincent. <laughs> yeah. I, he ended up as an engineer, and That's he right. said, yeah, I never looked back because I got to say I did it, and I did it better than a lot of people did it, and it's just something I added to my life and moved on. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's great. And then later, Chuck, you you uh, came to uh, KSDO here in San Diego. Yeah, which, well, that I, was a I, I was at Kason twice. Mm-hmm. Right. I was there do, doing the all-nights. When I left there, I went to the... KPSE, which was owned by PSA Airlines. They had four stations here, L.A., Sacramento, and San Francisco. And then they moved from the PSA building on Harbor Drive to College Grove, where Quezon was. And so one day I went over there, and they hired me again to do weekends. And then somebody left, and I did afternoon drive for two years. And then, oh, we got to make a change. <laughs> As usual. And then when I wound up at KSDO, they tried to hire me back again. And but no. What motivated your move to KSDO? Just uh, looking for a different, uh, something different looking to for do? Looking for a job. Yeah. Because before I got that, I was my biggest uh, time of unemployment was I had four months off. KSTO was a news station. Right. Were you doing news or were you doing, were you a staff announcer or doing a little bit of everything? What were you doing? Well, there? when I first went there, I was on the FM station. Okay. Doing the doing the news and, and, and the production guy at KSTO would leave everything for me to do at night. <laughs> <laughs> and then they hired another one. This, he did the same thing. So I went to the PD and I said, okay, next time that job opens up, I want it. So I got it and... I was there 30 years. Wow, yeah. That's, you were the longest ad, right, at KSDO oh, in yeah. your career? Well, all different stations, but, I mean, the same, yeah, ba- the same basically the same job 
Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I was going to, I told you before we went on the air that when we were playing back your uh, sample of your work uh, in past years, and we have a little bit more coming up later on in the show, but I was looking for a, uh, a sample that I have in my collection of you on KSDO mm-hmm. announcing a, uh, it was a, a Christmas marathon that uh, you guys would do, I think, every year where you'd play old radio shows, old Christmas shows. Right. And I recognize your voice at that show. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't find it, unfortunately, but I remember listening to you on KSDO back in the day and and i remember that we were talking just a couple days ago we went up to uh, los angeles for an event together and we were talking about at that time ksdo was a cbs station so they were right. playing the mystery theater and yeah. the sears radio yeah. theater and yeah. you were there during all that time i was yeah yeah, yeah you were and are still a big collector of old-time radio aren't you well i have the collection but yeah. i don't collect anymore yeah <laughs> and you were saying that you used to do a program on ksdo where you'd play yeah we, the we collection, you right? know we carried during the week we carried well even on weekends i think they repeated this cbs radio mystery theater right and sunday afternoons or it's early evening i would i would bring tapes of my own in and do an hour of uh, you know jack benny or suspense or that's great yeah and, it was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And KSDO was a was a good station. I remember listening to it when I was a kid. <clears throat> oh man, KSDO. We had the best. Aside from when I, you know, first got into radio and rock, and it was exciting and fun. And but the best time I ever had was at KSDO. The people we had there, the line, the you know, the news people were all first class. And and uh, I, uh, George Riley, who was a newsman there, and I did. All kinds of documentaries and things. We won a lot of golden mics, and and it was just wonderful to do that. Well, Chuck, with your your rich career in the '60s and '70s in radio, you've had to have come across some very interesting people, notables <laughs> and celebrities. Tell us about some of the more notables that uh, yeah. you ran into, and even perhaps had on the air during your career. You know, the radio. Early on, uh, Eugene McCarthy. Okay, yeah, that's right. The presidential candidate. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, in Fresno, uh, uh, Johnny Cash, when I was at KEAP 980 on the AM dial. Oh, that's way in back. Fresno. Yeah. Oh, that goes way back. What was Johnny but we Cash? We had Johnny on? Cash. And, well, that, that was when his, in his drug period. Yeah. So he was a little. <laughs> but Bobby Bear, uh, okay. Bobby Bear and I, uh, we hung out a lot. He was a good guy. He had some of the, how about Buck Owens? He was Buck, Central Valley. Well, I, Merle I, Haggard? I met them more when I was at Quezon. Okay. Because Buck Owens was a good friend of Dan McKinnon, yeah. who owned Quezon. Right. And so I got to know Buck quite well. But right. when, when I was there, we had, you know, Mac Davis and um, Dolly Parton and Willie Nelson and Buck a lot and Merle Haggard. These were the heavy hitters in country music yeah. in the 60s yeah. and 70s. Charlie Pride. Okay. We did a, when I, while I was at Quezon at, uh, at the stadium, we did a game before the game with country music stars against the disc jockeys, right? <laughs> but we had, like we had Dave Winfield on our team, or uh, Willie McCovey on our okay. team. Fuck but over. anyway, Charlie Pride was a minor league pitcher yeah, and he right. was going to be a major league pitcher but he you know hurt his arm yeah. so i come up to bat against charlie pride three quick swings and i'm gone <laughs> <laughs> so that was my uh, baseball career wow about that <laughs> <laughs> 
I hit a pop foul off of Charlie Pride. That's good. That's that's the stuff of a book. Not right? many people can, can, can claim that, Chuck. That's amazing. Yeah. You really got around, met some interesting people. And on the on, probably on the more negative side, you saw the demise, so to speak, of Top 40 Radio and FM Radio. Yeah. The, the way it is today, you would not recognize it if you were gone for the last 40 years and came back as Chuck Cooper, the guy who uh, was used to a certain type of radio, and you came back and you listen to the stuff nowadays where day parts are done in Cincinnati by a guy and piped out here. Right. Uh, yeah. Radio's changed. Is there anything on oh, radio today that so interests you? It, uh, no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Everybody says that, Everybody Smitty. says that, yeah, You can just right. record that uh, no and play right. it with it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's a universal answer, yeah. I mean, I still listen to the radio. Yeah. right. But uh, it's just aggravating. Well, the KSDO we knew and loved here in San Diego is long gone. It's yes. uh, Spanish-speaking now. Yes. And yeah, see, we, we, when yeah, when JCOR took over, or, or um, there have been so many companies that yeah, yeah. Clear Channel, and Clear Channel, JCOR, yeah. Clear Channel, Jefferson yeah. Pilot. Well, they they tried to they made Kogo the old. I mean, KSDO became Kogo. Yeah. But right. when they did that, Kogo had a better signal, a better uh, frequency. But it still lost its magic, man. Yeah, you know, the magic we had at KSTO. Yeah. and that's the thing about it, Chuck. You were you were in the business at a time when it was still a magic business. Yeah, it was I think really so. something to so. be on the radio, and radio was something that you really looked up to. You know, yeah. well, you could talk to their bosses too. You mentioned Sunny right, Jim. Right. And you could sit there and go have drinks and coffee, sure. and you knew everybody's stuff. Now you don't know the, you know it's a, you know it's a suit you work for, but you yeah. don't know who it is, and forget about trying yeah. to talk to him. The best boss I ever had was was Sunny Jim because oh, yeah, he right. was a disc jockey. Yeah. Right. Program director. Right. Then he was a salesman, general sales manager, then a general manager. So he knew, he knew everything. He didn't come like the first manager I had when uh, at uh, KSDO came from Sears. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he probably so, knew, knew all about Kenmore washers, but I, probably not a and, lot about yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kenmore washers and mattresses and. <laughs> yeah, I don't think these guys tools. did it. They yeah. never sat with an engineer behind them that was chain smoking, and these tubes would make the studio into yeah. about 120 degrees on a hot day with no fans. <laughs> You'd open the back door, and people would come in and say hi to you while you were doing an air. Oh show. man, working at KDO. <laughs> yeah. In the summer. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> we would be down to our underwear, yeah. you know. Oh yeah, I bet. I'll bet it was hot out there. Yeah. Chuck, you uh, you had uh, at one point in your career, you had uh, a young man who uh, came around and interned with you, someone who, <laughs> someone who we all know and love, Shotgun Tom Kelly. Yes, I did. Tell us about your recollection about meeting Tom as a young kid and how, and working with him uh, or having him work with you. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you know, I I did evenings at KGB. Yeah. And Tom was uh, a, in junior high, I believe. Mm-hmm. But I was only, you know, 20-something, 21 or two. And he would call, make requests, and then he got, I guess he got his nerve. He wanted to know how to get into radio, you know. And uh, nothing really transpired then. But when I was at KDO, he would come down, and, and I got to know him. He could go in the production room and do his little tapes and things. And he became my intern. When I did remotes, he would get my news copy, my coffee, you know, <laughs> and look at him today. <laughs> look at him today. Yeah, we were uh, just talking. We, in fact, the event that we went to on on Friday was a, yeah. the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters uh, uh, gave uh, uh, Shotgun Tom the uh, Art Gilmore Lifetime Achievement Award, and of course, Tom 
been a guest on our show several times, uh, has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, still is heard on K-Earth in Los Angeles. So Tom went on to quite a yeah. illustrious career in see, broadcasting. See, Tom and I are probably the extreme opposites in radio. I mm-hmm. mean, he's a total extrovert. He loves people watching him. See, when I was on radio, I wanted to be in a little closet, mm. nobody looking at me. That's why I hated my first job. And this shopping center, windows behind and on both sides, so that they could walk clear around. You know, I can picture Chuck Cooper, and he's right because the same thing. They would put you in a shopping booth surrounded by glass, and here comes a lady with her little boy, and she's got her brownie Hawkeye camera, and she wants the little boy to be. Standing next, and you're trying to do a shift, and you got to be nice because you got to play right. nice, or your phone will ring. It won't yeah. be the call you want, and you got to <laughs> sit there and act like you're having fun. And all you want to do is, and with me, it was usually on a Saturday morning at the shopping center when I had probably had uh, too many adult beverages the night before. And I, you know, as young as I was, I was not in the mood to stand there with a little kid who usually had wet pants <laughs> sit on your lap, yeah. and, and you've got your. <laughs> you got your RE20 in front of you, you're trying to do this, you have no engineer because you're out on remote, and here comes lady, and oh, and my nephew's here too, and you're taking mug shots at the same time you're trying to do this and trying to get your shift done so you can go home and sleep <laughs> off the night before. Yeah. But that's when radio, the, when we talk about the gold, we talked about Wing Martindale, the golden years, sure. uh, you got out there and you knew your listeners. Your listeners yeah. knew you and they followed you. They were diehards. They were yeah. fans, truly yeah. fans. It, it got once in a while a case on when I did the all-nights. You know, they had the window there. In yeah, County. that's right. They did. I remember that. But it'd be 3, 3.30 in the morning, you know. And all of a sudden, I'd realize somebody's looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, my. That's great. Well, we're going to uh, we're gonna take a break here, and we're going to listen to some more of uh, Chuck Cooper, some of his air checks, and we're going to go into the second part of our Galaxy show today with our good friend, our good Galaxy, good guy, Chuck Cooper, is going to talk to us about, guess what, buddy? What? It's the year of the Beatles invasion. That's right. And the Beatles, and I'm not talking about the little black ones. That, no, the little you creatures, know, yeah. yeah. I got those, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hit them with a the rolled-up newspaper, and, and sometimes they're upside down and they wiggle. But we're talking about the four mop hair guys from Liverpool. Chuck is going to talk to us about what it was like on opening night when the Beatles hit San Diego right when we get back. And don't go away, okay? Well, you can go away, but uh, come right back, you know? Get some more popcorn iced tea. This is going to be the best part of this show, hearing about the Beatles, especially if you're one of those people who have been hounding us and emailing about, say more about the Beatles. It's the 50th year. Don't you guys keep track? Yeah, we do keep track. And the best way to keep track is with somebody that's been there, and we've got Chuck Cooper, none other, who was there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. In San Diego, this is KSON. 229 now with Chuck Cooper. First one that says, so what, gets it. Marty Robbins. From KSON, it's uh, 232. How do you do? This is Jerry Wallace. She'll remember. Yes, you will. Jerry Wallace with Chuck Cooper, 235. KSO1 hopes you'll make this a productive summer by enriching your life through adult education, a service to the community, summer session for the La Jolla, Pacific Beach, and Mission Beach areas will begin June 21st at North Shore's Adult School. Call 273-3221. 
his album, Nevada Fighter. That's Michael Nesmith from KSON. Chuck Cooper at 250. Attend St. Rita's annual Parish Bazaar this weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. There'll be fun for the entire family at Churchward and Euclid. The sweepstakes on the Hear the Country sweepstakes begin Monday. And still time for you to pick up your bumper sticker at Transmission Island, 8861 La Mesa Boulevard. This is love. All right. Well, another another <laughs> sample of our good buddy Chuck Cooper in his later years in the seventies at uh, KSON. Here, later years. Well, I'm in my later years. Now. <laughs> his later years. Well, later compared to the early sixties. <laughs> but uh, welcome back to <laughs> welcome back to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. I'm Gilbert Smitty Smith, along with my good buddy Mike Bragg and. Our guest here in the studio, our good friend Chuck Cooper. We're having a delightful time with Chuck, reminiscing about the past, listening to these old air checks. And uh, we've had uh, a good time here, the first part of our show, talking about Chuck's career, how he got into radio and his recollections. But now I want to turn the conversation in a slightly different direction. You know, 1965, 50 years ago, the Beatles were at their peak. They were doing concerts all over the place. And they came to San Diego in 1965. And they uh, did a concert at Balboa Stadium here in San Diego, which was, uh, those of you who are familiar with the San Diego area, I know that's right behind San Diego High School. The stadium's still there. It's not nowhere near as big as what it was back then, but it's still there. And, Chuck, you were you were involved with that concert to a certain extent. Tell us uh, your recollections, first of all, about, uh, do you remember how it was the Beatles came here? Were you involved in that? Uh, uh, you know, what do you recall about those I was, days? I, I was involved in that, that our station was the official station presenting the Beatles. KGB? Right, yeah. KGB. Uh, even though KCBQ tried to horn in on it. <laughs> 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 but, uh, in fact, I was going to tour with the Beatles. Oh, okay. Because they were taking certain disc jockeys, but they decided they didn't want to take me off the air, so they took the, the Midnight to Six, uh, Ray Morgan. So he got to fly back and meet him in, uh, I don't know where, and then travel with them here. Okay. Well, I'll tell you another interesting tidbit. This was April of 65. Or, yeah, March or April of 60. So it's almost exactly 50 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, okay, fall of 63, mm-hmm. when I was at K-Make, mm-hmm. we played She Loves You by the Beatles. Nobody wow. had ever heard of them. And I think we were the only station... In the United States, it played him. Somehow, Ron Jacobs got a hold of this tape, and we played this. Uh, so that was in September. And then I, I, I didn't know who they were. And then, you know, four months, five months later, you know, May of something or 64, when did they start? Yeah, well, they they appeared on the Ed Sullivan show in in February of '64. Yeah, and okay. It started okay, evolving yeah, from there, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. We all, we all saw that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a story about uh, I guess John Lennon or I guess all the Beatles. They were they were bumming cigarettes off you, or John Lennon was bumming cigarettes <laughs> yeah, off you. Unfortunately, right? I smoked then, and I still do. But yeah, yeah. John needed needed a puff. <laughs> That you were supplying him with cigarettes. But, you know, they were really, really, uh, I think they were a little, they weren't intimidated, you know, but they were still a little gun shy of, I mean, it, it was like under the bowels at Balboa Stadium, and they right. had this big news conference. They had right. a table, 
set up, you know, with f- four microphones with with the guys sitting there, and right. uh, then all these newspaper photographers and the TV cameras and the radio people, you know. And I was just, you know, standing behind all these guys, just watching. But uh, the the concert itself <laughs> is a complete blur because all, right? all you all you. Because all you could hear, we went up. It wasn't even a sellout, you know. I understand that it wasn't even a sellout, and the tickets were only five dollars. It was, yeah, that was five dollars, <laughs> and and they weren't even uh, Balboa Stadium. The San Diego concert wasn't even on the itinerary for that tour. They had two set for, I believe, the Hollywood Bowl, and because of something that happened that opened up a night. They jammed a concert in, of course, for San Diego, or the Beatles would have never been to San Diego. Yeah. It, was, it was a impromptu thing. They didn't even sell it out, did they? they no. Uh-uh. And I think you could buy the tickets, and and you, of course, you had the crazy girls, the fans. But oh yeah, uh, that's all you could hear. The screaming where right? we were. Yeah. <laughs> all you could hear was the screams. You couldn't hear the. You could hear a, the beat. You know yeah, the yeah. bass. <laughs> you couldn't really hear him singing. And where were you exactly, Chuck, and, and the concert? Were you there near the bandstand, or were you in another area? Where, well, we were, were on you? the stage to start with. Okay. The when we introduced them. Okay. And they then they came up, and we got ushered off right <laughs> rather quickly. <laughs> I've heard those stories that all you could hear is nothing but the screaming. And we were sort of, uh, you know, behind the bandstand. Right. Behind. Yeah. It was kind of a short concert too, wasn't it? It wasn't very long, uh, right? It was like an hour. Yeah, or we had. Like a, we, there were a couple of uh, you know pre. Uh, oh, the opening acts. Opening acts, right? And you know, know, here's how your mind plays tricks on you. At some other point in that era, we had the Righteous Brothers, and Steve J and his wife, and we we, we went over to the Stardust in Mission Valley, and we sat with. Bobby and Bill, mm-hmm. and we just sat there for like hours, man, drinking and talking, and and I'd always thought that they were the opening act for the Beatles, but they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda, Brenda Holloway, Brenda yeah. was was uh, one of the opening acts, and there was somebody else, but I can't. But that's how my, your my fifty years, yeah. you know, yeah. So well, I don't know what concert the right. <laughs> I think the opener it was Brenda Holloway and King Curtis. Opened. Oh, okay. King Curtis opened, and then uh, and you probably played Cannibal and the Headhunters, Land of a Thousand Dances. They were in there, and it was almost like a a traveling teen show with yeah. Richie Valens. The Beatles were were not the headline front runners, and the deal with the two Hollywood Bowl concerts. San, the San Diego market, because of what you guys were doing on the radio, just came unglued at the Beatles and wanted more and more. And they were ready to, the San Diego fans were ready to travel up to uh, Los Angeles to the Hollywood Bowl to catch one of those concerts. And the promoter said, hey, we're only going to get a few if they do that. Let's get more and find a place yeah. to book. And, they, of course, they booked the Balboa Stadium, which, which was built in 1915 That's for right. the San Diego Exposition. <laughs> right, exactly. It was not exactly that type of concert right. hall. And you hear some of the stories reading some of the books, because I did a little research knowing that Chuck was going to be uh, coming in on our show. Well, you know more than I do. <laughs> well, yeah. I, you talked about tickets for 550 There were tickets for 350 I oh, wonder yeah. how far back in the cheap seats you got for 350 Maybe you got to stand uh, you know, stand on yeah. a trash can in the back or something. But uh, they gave their customary press conference, and this was back in the day when they gave the, the mayor of San Diego at the time was a guy named Frank Curran. Right, right. yeah. 
And he presented them, like in the old days, with the keys Keyless. to the city. Yeah. And they had a gal named Susan Clark who led the San Diego Beatles fan club. And she brought a little gift basket for them. And pre- imagine that, how things yeah. have changed. Yeah. That's how it used to be. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, they had to, there was an airline strike at the time in 65, so they had to hire a bus, a oh, motor coach, oh, to come down. And they came down the coast highway, came down... Uh, I don't know if five was, well, five was probably in construction, but mainly, you know, one, 101 down to Highway 1, and they took the ocean tour down, and then they had no, there were not enough buses for rent, coach buses in San Diego to get back to L.A., so they had, they ended up at a mortuary in San Diego and rented a couple of limousines from a mortuary. That's how untogether, wow, how about uh, that? big rock music concert stuff, but, yeah. but uh, they did only 12 songs. The okay. Beatles, All and right. of course they opened up. They opened up with "Twist and Shout," which you guys played the heck of over yeah. the years. Even the yeah. oldies, it's still yeah. "She's a Woman," "I Feel Fine," "Can't Buy Me Love," the old Beatles standards. So that's, you know, that was one of the root structures that gave rise to the Beatles phenomena. Right, right here in little old San Diego, which was a little sleepy military <laughs> town, yes. as Chuck yeah. can attest to. In the mid '60s, we've yeah. had Jack Vincent on. Jack Vincent on the air who told us there were probably only two diners open after 10 o'clock at <laughs> yeah. night in San Diego. It's a small town. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, what about the aftermath of the of the concert, Chuck? Any any recollections, anything that sticks out in your mind about after the concert uh, that you recall? No, but no? you know, we, we, we lived off that at KGB. I'm sure, yeah. For, uh, for a, a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll bet. But you scooped that. Your station scooped that whole concert, though, though, didn't they? Yeah. And there was, uh, you got, it put you guys but, on the map. But, really. K- but KCBQ had signs all over town. <laughs> KCBQ welcomes the yeah. Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a lot of competition between KCBQ oh, and KGB. Oh, oh yeah, then. yeah. And I guess they wanted to, they wanted to horn in on your action, yeah. I guess. Yeah. How well, that, that? You oh, know, so, so speaking of KCBQ, you sure. know, I, I never jocked, with, I was never a jock there. Okay. But by names on the monument, the KCBQ monument. Yeah. Oh, because of Tom, yeah. mainly. Yeah. But I did do news there one summer. Oh, okay. So. Well, then that, that that's, counts. That counts. That counts, absolutely. Yeah, but some people, some people I'll, I'll meet and they'll say, when, when did you work there? <laughs> I don't remember you at KCBQ. <laughs> and, of course, Chuck's referring to the... Uh, the monument that uh, Shotgun Tom Kelly was instrumental in having put in uh, in Santee at the site of the old uh, KCBQ right. transmitter site. Yeah. It was dedicated, I think, of about, what, four years ago, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I can't yeah. remember. Uh, certainly, uh, Chuck, being a, a newscaster there, that certainly counts. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you are mentioned in a couple of places in the Beatles history books that apparently there was not mm-hmm. a lot of you guys down at the concert. Uh, a lot of radio guys. Oh, yeah. and, and were you there on assignment, or were you there just just to check it out, just to dig this? No, in? I was there to help present them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Afterwards, though, did you go in and did you go to the after party? Did you hang oh, out? Oh no. Okay. No. And some of those guys got backstage, and there's books written all about the backstage parties backstage of the Beatles oh, in the early yeah, days. But yeah. you were actually up there. You were in the presentation crew, right. and uh, the Beatles were. Pretty much still an unknown. How did you present? It wouldn't be like presenting Elvis Presley, where everybody already knew. Did you have to kind of give a little background? And those guys from Europe who you've probably no, seen no, on Ed no, Sullivan. No, we pretended like that. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, here they are. Here they are. We got them now. And, you know, kick yeah, back. Yeah. Well, after a year, having yeah. it been a year plus since they were on Sullivan, then people yeah. knew them and they knew their music and whatnot, yeah. right? And they were, and was there, 
And they were a very popular uh, uh, airplay. Their songs were very popular on airplay. Oh, yeah. Chuck, yeah, yeah. Back then. Yeah. And, and both sides. Yeah. Both sides, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you know you're big when, when both sides, like Elvis, all his, most of his stuff until later. Yeah. Both sides were the hit, were a hit. Yeah. And same with uh, the Beach Boys, too. Yeah. The KG Beach Boys. The KGB, yeah. <laughs> Do you recall anybody else, Chuck, from the radio station that went with you to the Beatles concert? Or were there were there several of you, or was it? Yeah, just there were several of okay, us. Yeah. Les Turpin, uh huh, he was the program director then. Okay, he came from Kino, uh, and uh, Tom Ball, who came from K Make. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, I think Steve J. Wow, I okay. think yeah, there were five of us. Okay, I think. great. That's reminiscent, Mike. Uh, you know, we've heard. Jack Vincent talk about uh, when uh, Elvis came to San Diego. Right. And he was part of that uh, with KCBQ, and they sent the announcers, the jocks out there to again similar yeah. to what Chuck was doing. You know, they were there representing the station, introducing Elvis and all that. So history kind of repeated itself. That's amazing. There. That's one of the first when I was in high school yeah. when I heard Heartbreak Hotel. I was out painting the fence, you know, at the house. And yeah. Mike, what is that? Who is that? <laughs> You know, there's with Elvis. There were, you know, he made the transition back and forth from middle of the road to blues to gospel right, to, yeah. to black. You know, yeah. I don't think he was known then as race records, but he got pretty close. And there were people in the early days of radio who thought he was black, probably. And yeah. just like some of the other artists, well, he's the one that you know sort of transitioned between yeah, R and B and he created the he, buffer. Yeah. Yeah, he did. But yeah. you know, we have guys like you, Chuck, who have who have seen the entire unfolding and and the folding back of music. You know, we're talking about the Beatles. Of course, two of the Beatles are gone, no longer with us. There's two left: Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, even recently, and we're in the year 2015 now, has gone back on the tour circuit and done a lot of stuff. Well, he, need, on the he needs the money. Yeah, he. Yeah. <laughs> Does he still have his stuff though? Because there's some controversy. Uh, the younger generations, younger younger listeners are being introduced, not reintroduced, were being reintroduced to Paul McCartney, but the younger generations are being introduced to Paul McCartney. Oh, that thing he did with Ken- yeah. Kanye West. Yeah, yeah, with Kanye West. And, you know, I guess where I'm getting at, Chuck, is where's music going? Do you follow music? I really don't anymore. No. Not, I, I don't I, know I who's don't. who. I see people up on the Grammy Awards. I have no idea who they are. Yeah. And not that because I'm an old you-know-what. It's well, because also, it's not interesting to me. You know, I'll listen to uh, if I'll listen to Kason today. Yeah, I won't know who they are. I won't. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have the distinctive voices like earlier. You know, you knew Johnny Cash or Willie Nelson yeah. or Waylon, right. Dolly Parton. You know, I don't think the voices are as distinct. Even in pop, I don't think the voices are as distinctive or the styles yeah you bring up a real good point chuck it's almost like all the voices are all kind of homogenized into the yeah, same it's like they like this yeah. like the same producers producing them all yeah, too yeah, yeah yeah and they do sound overproduced they do they and they get they, up on the grammys yeah. i don't know if you even tuned into the grammys no. chuck I, I could only stand about 40 minutes of it but there were artists up there and i had no idea who they were not that because I've loved music, every kind of music from R and B to country Me to too. jazz. Yeah. I can tell you the old blues records, but there's just not anything nowadays that really budges me. Now let me ask you this, and we're going to be wrapping up this show pretty quick. Uh, in every boss jock and DJ and radio host, whatever you want to call guys that did what we did, there's always those songs they remember that were just a joy and a memory and a pleasure when they spun them. 
Do you have a top three? Do you have songs that really, songs that were a joy because you watched them hit, you watched them climb to top 40? Uh, maybe some of the Beatles. Uh, I got a feeling you might have been a Johnny Mathis kind of guy, too. <laughs> you like <laughs> them all. Mathis, you like them yeah, fast I, and slow. I did like them all. Yeah. But, but, you, but you know who I really liked? In the tell early us about Beatles, it. Were, yes. the, were the Four Seasons. Okay. Did you ever meet Frankie Valley? N- no, I've seen him. Okay. But what the Four Seasons, the Four Seasons music almost takes you in a time capsule. When you hear a Four Seasons yeah. song, and it could be one of the unknown, one of the lesser knowns like Candy Girl. Right. They don't have to be Dawn or Walk Like a Man. There was some Four Seasons work. But you think of that, does it take you to a better time, Chuck? Oh, do, you, do you get a ride back to I 63? was much younger then. Yeah. <laughs> First time I heard uh, Walk Like a Man. Uh-huh. But, oh, man. You thought, <laughs> did you know it was going to be a smash? I love playing their, their yeah. stuff. Yeah. And the Beach Boys, too. Or at least most of the Beach Boys. Well, you know, Chuck, this is kind of one of those Rolling Stones cheesy kind of interview questions. But I'm going to ask you this because we're going to wrap this show up. We're just so happy to have you here. But yeah. what do you listen to nowadays when you're listening to music? What does Chuck Mostly Cooper like to listen to? Jazz. Okay, jazz. The yeah. older jazz, the newer, what do they call no, the, the new jazz? No, or the older, all jazz. Older yeah, jazz. the old stuff. Well, m- almost everything. But, okay. Well, I really like the pop standards. You know, I like Sinatra and Ella and Billie Holiday. But I like also to go on uh, Spotify or something and yeah. listen to old, oldies, fifties, sure. because no, or early sixties. They don't play them. No. Yeah, they don't play them anymore here. Well, they don't even play jazz really. Yeah. I mean, we have KSDS here, but and I I do listen to that. But uh, well, he, one yeah, one good thing you have, and we have guys like us really appreciate the internet because you can yeah. go into they call it Boomers Radio and Radio of the sixties. Say you're like you're in a mood for Etta James. You right. can type in Etta James, and they'll take you to a, a station. Yeah. Or you can you can produce your own radio station, your own playlist. Yeah, and I put know. Etta it's James great. and <laughs> you know uh, just anybody you want, and put, put it together. That's one thing. And Gilbert and I have talked about this so many times on so many different shows with our little cassette radio recorders where we yeah. record, <laughs> record shows right yes. off the radio, right yeah. off right yeah. off in, in L.A. It was KFWB or sure. KRLA and be our own disc jockey, but have our little recordings of yeah. our songs. And I, I think that's probably going to be gone missed because everybody's got these smartphones now and they can hear whatever they want. They yeah. don't have to get creative at all. Yeah. You just type in the guy you yeah. want to hear and you get to hear him. It, it's easy now yeah, to, to easy. do that as opposed to the Yeah, you days. mentioned Carol A. I used to love listening oh, to Oh, yeah. Bobby Dale, I think, was my... Bobby Dale was my guy. Well, Bobby Robert, Dale. Well, yeah. Robert W. Morgan was my favorite disc jockey of all time. And you worked with him. Yeah. 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 But Bobby Dale was so f- nice. to. He was so smooth, so, you know, he was great. Yeah. That's where I heard... I was on vacation, and I heard you lost that loving feeling for the first time. Oh, yeah. And Bobby Dale. Bobby Dale. And, man, I wanted to turn around and go back to San Diego so I could play that song. <laughs> How about that? Oh, that's great. And then the other KLA guys, Reb Foster. Yeah. Uh, the Hullabalooer, Dave Hall. He's a little fast for me, but Bobby Dale like was Dave the guy. Hall. Yeah, I like yeah. But Bobby Dale was Bobby the guy. Dale was the guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a wonderful time we've had visiting with Chuck Cooper. Chuck, we're so grateful to you for coming on our show and talking well, to us thanks and for asking oh we've had a wonderful i time. mean you've asked before I, we've we've asked I, I, yes I, we've actually we've begged <laughs> we begged and finally we convinced chuck <laughs> to join us but we're so we're so pleased that chuck cooper joined us today and uh, chuck maybe you'll come back and see us again someday sure 
So because I know as soon as the mic is off, I'm going to think of all kinds. Oh of, sure, oh sure, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Well, we <laughs> may have uh, we may have another episode of Chuck Cooper the 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 Redux or whatever they call yes. it, part two. How about the Chuck Cooper remembers episode? There you go. I yeah. like that. I like that. That's something to keep in mind for the future. Good. I can't remember to remind him to remember, so you'll have to remind me. Well, Smitty. remind me to remember and never to forget. And remind me to remind you. Remind, you'll remind, you'll have to remind me. you, Chuck. There we go. Oh, we'll get it done. Okay. Three we'll get, of us. The three of us exactly. But we thank Chuck Cooper for joining us on our show today. We thank you for listening. We appreciate you being with us the past hour. And if you have any memories of anything that you recall and you'd like to share them with us, remember to drop us an email. Our email address is galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com, galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com. Our website, galaxymoonbeamnightside.com. And don't forget the Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside page on Facebook. And also our shows, all of our shows, and we're proud to announce that all of our shows are now also available on Mixcloud as well as iTunes. So you have your choice now. The complete library is available on Mixcloud or iTunes. You can listen to any of our past shows anytime you like. We thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you with us again next time. Until then, I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. And I'm Chuck Cooper. And we'll see you next time right here on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.